1: Welcome to the Water Cooler, everybody. Glad you're with us. I'm David Brody. It's Friday, March 19, 2021. Now, look, folks, I understand Democrats are tripping over themselves trying to make America into a socialist utopia. However, today Joe Biden was literally tripping himself. Look, this is the commander, oh, commander in chief boarding Air Force One, not three times trying, <clears throat> excuse me, to board Air Force One. He eventually uh, got there. Uh, what in the world? Uh, he did indeed make it to the top of the stairs. But seeing that video, plus the fact that Joe Biden looks lost half the time, we must begin with this question today. Who is in charge at the White House? This is a serious question. We're not being cute here. Americas have, Americans excuse me, have every right to know. Is it President Biden or, as President Biden himself says, is it Kamala Harris? Now, when President Harris and I took uh, a virtual tour of a vaccination center in Arizona not long ago. One of the nurses on that. On look Mistakes like that can no longer be excused as just simple bloopers or part of the ha-ha Joe Biden gaffe machine. We understand he's clearly perfected the gaff, gaff machine routine for decades, but this is different. Just last week, he couldn't even remember the name of the Pentagon or who his defense secretary was. And I want to thank the secretary. The uh, former general, I keep calling him general, but my, my, uh, the guy who runs that outfit over there. Uh, it's not like we didn't see this coming. All right, folks, remember the old fill-in-the-blank declaration of independence moment during the campaign? We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created
2: by... Go, you know, the, you know the thing.
1: You know the thing? Come on, everybody, you know the thing. Or how about the dreaded three o three three o three four five five. whatever he was doing during one of the primary debates. Go to Joe30330 and help me in this fight. Thank you very much. Okay, I, anyhow, we need answers. And, of course, it would help if we actually had a press that did their job. They were quick to write all sorts of headlines about Trump's mental state, invoking the 25th Amendment, all that jazz. But on Biden, silence. How about demanding to see updated information on the state of his mental health? During the campaign, Biden said that he is consistently tested for cognitive decline. Really? Great. Let's see those tests. If they're consistently done, I'm sure they've got to be somewhere. Unless those documents were on Hillary Clinton's private server, along with the 33,000 deleted emails. Where are the documents? Maybe Joe Biden can send them by Pony Express and then go turn on the record player. Anyhow, look, the last official report on Biden's health was over a year ago during the Democratic primaries. All we got was this from the physician. Joe Biden's cranial nerves and vestibular function are normal. Hey, look. All right. I know he's 78, but I've got a few questions about those cranial nerves. And I'm not even talking about his policy positions, which is another major major cranial nerve issue. So where are we at this point? Here's where we're at. We have a president of the United States that is being sheltered. He's kept close to home, protected from the media and by the media. It begs the question, who's in charge? Do we really think Joe Biden is calling these shots? Is this a bullpen by committee situation? Is Kamala Harris truly President Harris? And I'm not being cute, all right? This is not Pizzagate stuff here. This is a serious question that needs a serious answer. Jerry Maguire, right, he was fond of saying, show me the money. Here at the water cooler, we're saying, show us the documents. Joining me now, my first guest, the award-winning conservative filmmaker and host of the Dinesh D'Souza podcast. Well, guess what? It's Dinesh D'Souza. Dinesh, thanks for being here.
3: My pleasure. Glad to join you. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, I'd love to get your take overall on this uh, Biden's mental state. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot going on here, Dinesh.
3: Yeah, there's a lot going on here, and there's not a whole lot going on up there, uh, I don't think, <laughs> in Biden's top story. But um, you know, here, I think, is the the larger problem, and it, it just goes beyond um, the simple issue of can Biden remember this or that, and that is that in a democracy, we make a choice about who our elected leader should be, uh, and that guy is supposed to call the shots. Now, he's allowed to hire all kinds of people to advise him, but he is the one who needs to be steering the boat. Why? Because his... Uh, His democratic legitimacy comes from the consent of the governed. So what happens when the guy who is in the Oval Office and the guy who was elected uh, is not driving the boat? Other people are driving it for him and in his name, and he is a little bit of a kind of um, dotard figurehead uh, who simply pretends to be uh, manning the oars. Well, that's a serious problem, uh, not just in terms of foreign policy, But it's also a serious problem in terms of democracy, which is to say, uh, who on earth is representing the people? They thought it was this man, Biden. But if it's not, then who's running the show?
1: Well, and then the question is, what do we do as Americans? We just sit back and say, okay, well, you know what? He, He just doesn't have it going on anymore. He's in cognitive decline. Oh, well, but oh, that's right. He's running the free world as well. I mean, where's the press on this, Dinesh? Where are the documents? Why can't we see some of this information?
3: Well, the press, as you know, I think, was uh, well aware of this problem because they're—they've been traveling with Biden. They're close to Biden. They can see up close the vacant look on his face, the stumbling, mumbling. Uh, th- so they know better than we do, or I do, on an ordinary basis but they wanted to protect Biden. It's almost like they wanted to drag him across the finish line. Now, having done that, they can't very well turn around and say, we've got a senile dotard in the White House. We helped put him there uh, and we have a serious problem. Now, these people, I think you know, would not be entirely unhappy to wheel Biden off in a wheelchair and take him off to an old folks home and have Kamala Harris take his place. I think that this might've been something of the scheme from the very beginning, Mm -hmm. Uh, but nevertheless, I think it's a very bad situation and the media is in full cover up mode.
1: Yeah. Let me move on to immigration, uh, Dinesh. You have said a lot about this for years. You, you, you were signaling the alarm before anybody else uh, on this. Now, I don't even mean the Biden administration. I mean, going back uh, decades on this. So what, wh- where are we in America right now in immigration? What's the, what's the ultimate solution? Is there a solution? Are we past that point? What's, what's happening here, Dinesh?
3: The, uh, the problem is that the immigration debate has uh, virtually nothing to do with the, uh, with the immigrants themselves so, or with the illegals themselves. The reason that Biden has no interest in going to the border is it's really not about the border. It's not even about people say, well, Biden is, you know, he's got these humanitarian concerns and anxieties. No, he doesn't. If these same illegal showed any disposition to be conservative or to vote Republican, the Democrats would would militarize the border, shut down the place have the wall erected overnight, they would do to the American border what they've done to Washington Mm DC. So this is not about them at all. It's about domestic politics. It's about the fact that the Democrats want to increase their population of potential and future voters. Mm -hmm. That's why they ultimately want to pull down the fence, open the border. It's so that they can tilt the demographic advantage, you may say permanently in their favor.
1: Yeah, and isn't it interesting? We're seeing headlines today about how the Biden administration is, oh, look at this, making a phone call to Mexico, apparently, and saying, you know what, please keep the illegal immigrants over there. But, but to me, that, that is just because they don't want the PR problems. Not that they don't want them here.
3: Yeah. And I was very struck by the large kind of group of of sort of illegals, all massing at the border, all wearing Biden Harris t-shirts. Now think about that. Think of how odd it is that that would happen. What this really means is that a lot of these caravans are fake. Uh, They have uh, the the international left concocts them uh, because you can't travel 500 or or a thousand miles without medical supplies, without food, without telephone cards, without maps. So what's happening is that the left is bringing them here and the Biden administration, in a sense, invited them to come. So ordinarily, I'd say, well, this is a kind of an alien home invasion, but it can't really be a home invasion of the man of the house has invited the home invaders to get here.
1: Yeah, as we wrap up here on immigration, uh, Dinesh, what about this idea that uh, Donald Trump did very well, much better with Hispanic uh, Americans uh, in 2020, better than 2016? Uh, They, they, especially as it relates to folks from Venezuela and other places, they've seen a socialist utopia situation up front. Do you think this comes back to backfire on Democrats uh, from a from a PR standpoint and a and a voting standpoint in 2022? Uh, That seems like they they always over over uh, over pushed their or they, they pushed their hand too much.
3: Yeah, I mean it's a it's a it's a mistake to think that just because there are Latinos in this country, the Mexican American vote, it's all gonna go to Biden because they all they all love illegals. No, I mean my wife Debbie grew up in the Rio Grande Valley uh, on the Mexican border in the south part of Texas. Now that is a blue part of Texas but those people are very concerned about illegal immigration it's 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 dangerous to their security it takes away jobs So the bottom line of it is the Democrats are playing with fire on this. It's partly because they've got a battery of left-wing groups that lobby them to do these things, even though I think it's going to hurt them politically in Texas and Arizona, maybe even in California.
1: Yeah, 20 seconds left as we've circled back to the top Biden mental state issue. uh, I wonder what's worse, Biden as president or Kamala Harris, uh, uh, the invoking of the 25th Amendment. I'm going with the latter on that, I'm assuming.
3: Kamala is worse. I mean, Biden is bad and there are all kinds of dangers and essentially having somebody in this position, the leader of the free world, as you put it, who's not all there. But uh, I'll take Biden over Harris. She's all there, but she's all there in a very bad way.
1: (laughs) Okay. Dinesh D'Souza, host of the Dinesh D'Souza podcast, which is doing gangbusters. We really appreciate your time. And and please, uh, thanks so much for coming by.
4: Appreciate it. My pleasure.
1: Alright, uh, when we come back, uh, Eric Metaxas is with, uh, with, with us Did I say with us? I can't even speak uh, Host of the Eric Metaxas Radio Show We're going to talk about America and Germany and big tech censorship Have a bit in common, back in a moment
5: What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way?
1: water cooler, everybody. Uh, Listen, uh, last time I checked, we live in America. Or is it Germany, if you know what I'm saying, uh, circa 1930 or so? Uh, Look at this headline. Uh, I I thought this was interesting uh, from the Atlantic. So go go take it for what it's worth. Eric Metaxas believes America is creeping toward Nazi Germany. And I said, hey, I need to send an email to Eric Metaxas. Have him come on the show and talk about that. And so guess what? Eric Metaxas uh, is here. He is host of the Eric Metaxas radio show. And Eric, always great to see you, sir.
5: Great to see you, and thanks for being willing to talk to me about this. You know, it's funny. I think The Atlantic, when they published that, most of their readers would think, Kirkman Metaxas is obviously insane. Well, I wish I were. Right. That's the point. I wish I were wrong about a lot of things, but if I don't think I'm wrong, I have to talk about it. And this is one of those things, uh, David, I have to talk about.
1: Well, let's talk about it. What, what's the, uh, uh, am I, should I use the word parallel? What's happening in America compared to what was going on at the time? You've written a book, obviously Bonhoeffer, a bestseller. Uh, so, so talk to me a little bit about uh, what's happening here. Eric. Well,
5: that's, that's kind of the point is that because I wrote a 600 page book about one of the great heroes of the 20th century, I am rather familiar with the details of what happened in Germany. In fact, I remember when I was writing the book, I thought, I have to answer this question. How can you write a book about this without really understanding how this happened? And it wasn't easy. Um, But what I realized was that it happens gradually and it happens with people participating in it by saying nothing when it happens. Mm -hmm. We don't know what Bonhoeffer actually said it, but the famous quote is, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. Not to speak is to speak, not to act is to act. God will not hold us guiltless. In other words, Mm -hmm. if you think, well, I'm just going to pray. I don't want to get political. I'm going to be quiet. You are the problem Mm -hmm. because we in a free country, and Germany was a free country, was democracy at the time. If you do not speak up when people are trying to take away your freedoms, you will lose your freedoms. There's no way around it. There are evil people in the world. We live in a fallen, broken world. And we, the people, the people who have been handed freedom and democracy have to be vigilant. I wrote another book called If You Can Keep It because I realized we don't understand what's involved in keeping the Republic. We've had it so good for such a long time that we don't really think about it. Well, suddenly now we have to think about it. And so when you think of Germany, we immediately think of the Holocaust. Forget about the Holocaust. Go to 1930, to the early 30s, when nobody was thinking about the death camps. Even the Nazis Mm -hmm. weren't thinking about it. Well, at that time, Germans were challenged because you have somebody taking power, who he's not a dictator. He's going to use the tools of democracy to push his way in. And if people aren't smart to see what is happening, it's going to happen. And then it's going to be too late. In America right now, I see many similar things happening. And it doesn't matter where it goes. It doesn't need to go to the Holocaust. Wherever it goes, it's bad. We're talking about losing freedom. Our freedom is a gift from God to be used so that we can share uh, our faith, we can share our freedom, we can share the prosperity we have in our Mm -hmm. way of life, the whole world. And if we lose it here, it goes away. So what I see happening now with cancel culture, with people, I mean, for example, if you question the outcome of the election, right? you can't say that. Now, somebody could say to me, you're crazy. I can respect that. You could say, you're totally wrong. That's nuts. Here's why you're wrong. But when you tell me, shut up, you can't say that, now you cross the line. You're saying, we're going to determine what can be said and what can't be said. In a free culture, that's death. That's the first step. And we're way beyond the first step. I mean, there are many things that are going on right now. Mm -hmm. But microculture is antithetical to who we are. And you can see uh, Mike Lindell standing behind me uh, in in paper, uh, cardboard form, but he's somebody that is uh, one of the sponsors of my radio program, and the idea that big box stores like Bed Bath and Beyond and mm-hmm. Bowles say, we don't like what you're saying, we're going to punish you because mm-hmm. you're expressing these things, that's not the American way. And when anybody tries to do that or when anybody tries to enforce something in your school, if you don't speak up, folks, we're going down that path. And it's happened before. And, I, and mainly it's the church that has to stand up. People of faith yeah. have to say, I'm going to do the right thing.
1: So Eric, how, how do people fight back? You say speak up, but but kind of maybe even more specifically than that, because I mean, conservatives, many of them are speaking up, not all of them for sure. Uh, and here's the other problem. You've got so many things going on. you got cancel culture, you got big tech censorship, you've got the federal government, and all these mandates. I mean, we're, I mean, I, you know, it's like McCarthyism run amok.
5: Well, it actually is. Uh, Of course, McCarthyism run amok is already McCarthyism run amok. You know, or I should say (laughs) already McCarthyism run amok. When you have this kind of stuff going on, people need to speak up. And it really doesn't matter where you speak up. I'll give you an example. Um, Mm -hmm. I have said to people, uh, Amazon is canceling authors like my friend Ryan Anderson. When Amazon does that, you have to send a signal to them to try to do your shopping elsewhere i tell people i'm trying to put all of my book at mystore.com which is affiliated with my pillow and you use the code eric and you get a great price that's a tiny thing that i can do but i want to say to people be creative uh, write an email to bed bath and beyond here's where I, I won't shop there anymore because what you did with mike lindell is not the american way uh, i'm going to drive out of my way to go to another store i'm not going to go to Kohl's anymore but you need to write them an email tell them that um when you can support people who are being attacked. I have been attacked. Michael Lindell's been attacked. Just support them, you know, buy some pillows and and give them to the homeless shelter. But the point is that we need to fight back in any way that we can. Now, number one, prayer. But if that's all you're doing, I would say you're in a free country. There are a million things you can do. You can write emails. You can make phone calls. There, There are a ton of things that each of us can do. And, you know, on my program, I try to talk about this almost every day now because I feel that there, there really are so many things that we can do. We just got to do whatever we can do. Sometimes it comes to you. Sometimes it's your kid comes yeah. home and says, there's a, there's a boy running on the girls' track team. And, you know, we've got to do whatever we can do. We try to do it in love, but we need to be bold about these things.
1: Yeah, and 20 seconds or so, but conservatives are coming against conservatives, too, on this thing. I mean, it's not just liberals and conservatives. I mean, you know, there have been people, I'm sure they've been your friend in conservative circles, who are just, like, trying to distance themselves maybe from some of the things you or Mike uh, have, have said in the well, past.
5: Look, it's one thing to distance yourself. It's one thing to say you disagree. It's another thing to play this cancel game. The cancel game is fundamentally un-American. And, and you know what? Here's what happens, too. If a liberal gets beat up by the cancel culture, some conservatives pile on. And I think, no, 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 We need to know anybody who does that. It's wrong. It's unjust. If you disagree, great. Right. Don't participate in this yourself.
1: Eric Metaxas, always great to see you, sir. Host of the Eric Metaxas Radio Show across the country. Thank you, sir. Thank you. You're the best. All right. Uh, (laughs) What else can I say? It's true. Uh, Teresa Moll, coming next. Editor of Gunpowder Magazine. The chiseling away of the Second Amendment. Back in a moment.
0: CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car.
1: Welcome back to The Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, Hope you're well. I'm doing fine. Thanks for asking. I know you cared about me. I understand. Uh, Look, we we do a lot on this show. Uh, We talk a lot about big tech censorship. We're also talking clearly about the Second Amendment quite often on this show. Uh, And to get uh, some more answers about certain little nooks and crannies tucked into bills on Capitol Hill, let's bring in Teresa Mull, uh, editor of Gunpowder Magazine, uh, back with us on The Water Cooler. Teresa, great to have you on the show again.
6: Yeah, it's great
1: to be back. Thank you, David. Well, Teresa, look, all right, so the Violence Against Women Act, right? Sounds great. Sounds, I mean, who's who's against that? Well, don't get me started. I mean, there's people, unfortunately, that are. But the Violence Against Women Act, you would think this would be a no-brainer to support, but there are a few things tucked inside that bill regarding gun control, uh, as the liberals would have it. Why don't you explain us? Take us through some of the concerns, actually, that are tucked inside this overall bill. Yeah,
6: I loved what you said about, you know, it has such a great title right it has a noble mission if you just look at the name of the bill who who isn't against violence against you know women and who doesn't want to stop that but i love what the national association for gun rights called it they labeled it sheila jackson lee who's the sponsor of the bill her gun control trojan horse because it has this great title but then whenever you start looking at the bill um it does anything but protect women against violence it actually makes them more prone to violence from domestic abusers so what is um, sneakily packaged in this bill is red flag gun confiscation which if you know our conservative viewers out there (laughs) this should be a red flag for them that this is something that's super scary and very unconstitutional and it makes people um, you know less able to defend themselves so what's in this bill is um, something that enables people to accuse somebody they don't even have to have proof you don't even have to know this person it could be a stalker it could be a vindictive ex-husband it could be a neighbor who just doesn't like you anybody can accuse you of something as vague as emotional distress it doesn't even have to be a violent crime you don't even have to have proof against it you don't have to be convicted anything they can just simply accuse you and if a judge determines that oh yeah you do sound like you're a violent person they can come into your home and take your guns and then it's on you to prove yourself innocent. You're guilty until proven innocent. And um, then there you are defenseless against this person who could be a stalker, who took, could be an ex-husband, who, you know, wants you to, wants to get rid of your guns. And there you are. You you don't have your guns and they can do whatever they want against you. So it's called violence against women. You know, it's supposed to prevent that. But um, it can be very easily abused. And Mm. that's something that the mainstream media and the liberals aren't telling you.
1: No, they're not telling us that at all. Obviously. I mean, not that I believe the the mainstream media or the liberal media, Uh, but so let me get this straight. You're saying in essence, uh, if if I'm not getting along with my neighbor and the neighbor, uh, for whatever reason, maybe knows I have a gun, doesn't know I have a gun. I don't know what the deal is, but, but if we're getting into a a bit of an issue, uh, they can pull that card out under this law. I mean, they could try to go, go that route. My goodness. (laughs)
6: Yeah, exactly. And it, this bill would also um, expand punishment for misdemeanor. So there is uh, no other law that strips away your constitutional rights for simply a misdemeanor. You know, you you have to have a felony for that under all other laws. But under this, you could be accused of, like I said, something as vague as uh, emotional distress um misdemeanor stalking, which could be something, you know, like writing some mean comments on Facebook. And all of a sudden you have your second amendment rights, the right to own a gun stripped from you for life. Just wow. like that.
1: Wow. I mean, that that's just, you know, I mean, and this is the chiseling away of the second amendment, what they want to do. I mean, it's more than a chisel anyhow. All right. Let's go to another story real quick about in Colorado, uh, which is very interesting. The Denver Post reporting uh, this, and it's not just the Denver Post, but can Colorado cities enact their own gun restrictions, a Boulder judge says no. So basically, my understanding is this well, this is the town of Boulder, uh, pretty liberal. They're doing granolas and bicycles over there, and, and they basically want uh, to ban assault weapons, or at least quite a few of them. Uh, and and the judges say no because the state has a law that supersedes that? What, what's happening exactly there?
6: Right. So a couple of years ago, the city of Boulder decided that it no longer wanted its residents to have so-called assault rifles um, or what they consider to be high capacity magazines. So you could, let's say you're living in Boulder, you purchased an AR-15, you have a magazine that holds 15 rounds, you purchased it legally, you have it in your home for self-defense, you're not doing anything wrong with it. And all of a sudden, Boulder decided they didn't want you to have it, they don't like it. So you were allowed to keep these items, um, but you had to get a special permit from the, the city to be able to keep them. You had to ask them for permission, even though you did everything right um, in the first place, to acquire them. And then if you... You were caught not having a permit you would be charged a thousand dollars and punished so obviously no unconstitutional not fair to these law abiding Americans who just want to defend themselves and would have this right and the rest of Colorado um, but luckily in I believe it was 2003 the Col- Colorado legislature passed a law that said that municipalities could not enact their own um, firearms mandates so um and obviously there was a pushback from gun rights organizations and law-abiding gun owners who said you know this isn't fair this isn't legal and so this surprisingly you know in the as you mentioned the super liberal city of boulder this judge has sided with the gun owners and said no you can't and it would create just a headache and a mess you know apart from being not legal because of that law but just think about if every time you you drove into a new city in Colorado, you say, oh, am I allowed to have my gun? Am I not? You know, what do, what do I do with it? Do right. I have to get a permit? You know, they called it a patchwork legislation, and it would just create a headache, and it's just yeah. not
1: right. So speaking, as we wrap up here, uh, Teresa, speaking about legislation, what are you seeing around the country overall? Uh, are you seeing, um, in the states, that is, are you seeing more legislation trying to secure gun owners' rights or more to strip it away? Uh, because at the federal level, obviously, with the Biden administration, they're doing their best to of chisel away at it what are you seeing in the states overall i got about 45 seconds or so
6: right yeah i'm glad you brought that up because it's easy to get caught up in the federal federal legislation we've seen a ton of gun control bills now that the democrats are emboldened and have more power there at the federal level to introduce all of these terrible scary unconstitutional things to disarm us but at the state level i think see a renewed push to protect our Second Amendment rights and something that, you know, we might have taken for granted a few years ago. Now these states are kind of waking up, especially more conservative ones. We see places like Oklahoma, North Dakota, those places, seeing what the federal government is doing and saying, "Whoa, whoa, well, we want to hold on to our self-defense, our right to keep and bear arms. And so they're introducing some really positive legislation to safeguard that and to make their state residents, at least, um, more free so yeah. I wrote about that actually yesterday I wanted to have some good news for our gun owners and for our conservatives so I really like to highlight all the, the good stuff that, that are coming out of the typical states not New York or California but
1: yeah not yet not, <laughs> yeah not. I say not yet but yeah good luck with that all right the left of the East Coast uh, Teresa Moll appreciate you being here thanks so much for joining us thanks
6: yeah, my pleasure thank you
1: all right Teresa Moll good information editor of Gunpowder magazine when we come back more economic gunpowder, if you will, taxes. Guess what? Hey, here's a news flash for you. The Biden administration is in power and your taxes may be going up. Hmm, who would've funk?
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: Welcome back to The Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, When you think of Joe Biden, uh, the Biden administration, what do you think of? Let's play fill-in-the-blank game. Actually, maybe we shouldn't play fill-in-the-blank game if there is a seven-second delay, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, But here, hey, here's a word I think of. uh, Taxes. Uh, Take a look at this New York Post headline, and this is just one of many. Biden tax hike could hit people earning $200,000 a year, White House clarifies. Yeah, so let's talk about this uh, with Dave Bratt, uh, who, of course, is the dean of the School of Business at Liberty University. Back with us on the water cooler. Dave, great to see you, sir. Hey, thanks. Thank you, David. Listen, I got to tell you, I, I knew this was coming. You know, we kept hearing from Joe Biden uh, during the primaries, then during the general, that it was only going to be on people making $400,000 a year. As a matter of fact, he even told George Stephanopoulos this past week, individuals $400,000 a year. And now all of a sudden, hold on, actually, it's couples, couples for $400,000 a year. Uh, So in other words, if you make $200,000 as an individual, eh, actually, you could be taxed. So so they're, they're moving the goalposts here, Dave.
4: Yeah, that that's right. Uh, we we know the taxes are coming. And, and the more problematic aspect is this isn't even really socialism right now. It, it's beyond. This is more of a statist capitalism. So the tax rates go on up, but uh, the the more problematic part is the size and the scope of the federal government is encroaching now on every part of your life so much so that the first amendment, uh, our freedom of speech, etc., is being impinged upon and the corporate folks uh, way back under fascism, the left is all concerned about fascism. Fascism can only come about if you enlarge the state, which the left has done, right, from FDR through the Great Deal, through Lyndon B. Johnson, uh, up to now, and now we're adding to uh, the size of the government. We're already running trillion dollar deficits, and now we just added two more trillion, four more trillion coming in stimulative packages, uh, which tells you the economy itself is probably uh, dead as a corpse. When you're throwing six trillion at something, and and you don't see any inflationary signs uh, rear on their heads, uh, that tells you our economy is not good. So we need to let the real economy heal itself. That's what recessions do; they reset. Uh, instead, everyone's just playing politics for the next two-year cycle uh, with trillion-dollar numbers. Well, you mentioned the
1: word trillion, and uh, that leads me to this next headline. Uh, You know, Market Watch says this, uh, Biden may propose $1 trillion in new taxes, uh, according to a former aide. And and here's the quote, and I can go through it, but officials, including Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, have stated, suggested, have started suggesting, excuse me, what will be in this White House plan coming up, uh, hiking the corporate tax rate to 28 percent from 21 percent. Establishing a global minimum tax. I'm sorry, my bad. I don't know what that is. You're gonna to have to explain that to me. Uh, and I can go on and on. I don't want to read all that. It's a waste of breath. I'll never get the breath back. Yeah. Uh, so, so what explains what's happening here with this? What is this global minimum tax? I don't even know what that means.
4: I, I think it just ensures that no matter uh, what type of corporation you are, wherever you house yourself uh, as a. Person, a corporation, you know, however you want to call yourself, you ain't gonna avoid the tax man. Huh? It's even with those taxes of a trillion dollars, they're paying for one fifth of his proposed spending, right? And so the young, the young generation, I I hope they're paying attention. Uh, They love some of this free stuff coming their way, education, whatever. We're doing, you know, minimum six trillion in new spending right now. Who do you think is gonna pay that tab, young folks? Mm-hmm. Right. I'm, I'm Dean at the business school. I, I work with college students my whole life because I love you guys. <laughs> uh, and I'm, I'm, I don't lie to you. I, I'm looking out for your best interest here. Mm-hmm. Y- you cannot go along with it. You're going to pay the full tab for this 30 trillion in debt we have. And then the seven trillion on the Fed balance sheet. Yeah. And you- the economy is going to tank because of this. It will tank as soon as they let off that huge stimulative uh, gas pedal. It's going to tank and you're going to live in that economy. Yeah, you and your grandkids, I'm assuming, too. Right. Absolutely. It's generational.
1: Yeah. Uh, So so help me on the corporate tax rate. We hear so much from uh, the Democrats, you know, uh, corporations, they're evil, they're horrible. We're going to and now we're going to raise the corporate tax rate. What's the tangible effect or problem uh, with that specifically?
4: Yeah, well, uh, I did my PhD in economic growth. Three things cause economic growth, roughly speaking, capital, human capital, and technology. All of those occur best and grow best uh, through the modern business firm and corporation. Mm -hmm. So if you tax, if you hurt uh, the very thing that produces economic growth and that produces jobs for the folks entering, right the minimum wage jobs we need, uh, you're damaging the engine. And so that's the last thing we need to be doing right now. They're increasing the size of the government sector and damaging, uh, putting disincentives on the engine of the economy itself. And so, again, young folks, uh, I'm doing this for you. Uh, We need to get the message out that that you're going to be handed an economy which is not in functioning form and here's the problem everybody talks
1: about uh stimulus money and a short-term fix and everybody gets all excited if you don't understand the economics of it Uh, here come the stimulus checks but the short-term fix is it's it's not even a short-term fix is it dave i mean i mean there's gonna be problems in the here
4: and now as well not just in the future yeah, no. I mean, it, it's a political fix, right? Got if you're it. the federal government, and by fiat you've mandated masks and shut down businesses, uh, it, it's the least you could do to, to, you know, throw some crumbs toward the people you've just destroyed. Mm-hmm. So the billionaire class is making out like bandits right now. They always do. They'll come through even if there's a recession. They know how to manage it, uh, and the working class gets hammered. All of this, uh, the the border policy you see now, the China policy you see under Biden. Uh, all of it—the tax rates, the increase in government spending—all of it hurts the average working American the hardest. D- Dave,
1: help me out here. You say the billionaires are getting away with—you know—they're they're making out just like bandits. Yeah. But what's the reason for that? Because they know how to play the system. They know—they know how to work around the system. What, what,
4: what's the deal on that exactly? Yeah. Well, the uh, the feds—you know—the the, the billionaire class—they're uh, in on the budget writing process. Ah. Right? Uh, they either they get they have their high-end consultants uh, and lobbyists up in DC adding a phrase to the budget bills to the spending bills, mm-hmm. carving them out you know allowing them to be a platform with no responsibility for the for monitoring speech or whatever uh, when they mm-hmm. should be treated uh, more like a, a news network you got to make up your mind on that you're one way or the other either you're neutral or you're not neutral yeah and so if the Fed isn't laying a glove on any of them they're, they're, they're all monopolies uh, we should be breaking them up.
1: For sure, Dave Bratt, Great to see you. Love the advice. I, I feel like I'm in I'm in class, which uh, <laughs> which is you're which great. is which is good. But I'm also glad I'm not in class. If you know what I'm saying. Uh, all right. Hey, Dave. you're the
4: professor. You're the professor too, David. Great job.
1: Listen, there you go. I'm going to date myself by saying nanny and the professor. You know what Gen Zers? Look it up. My goodness, do I have to educate all the time?
0: Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
1: Welcome back to The Water Cooler, everybody. Got to look for it. Today, it's time for the last sip. It's a Friday last sip. Those are special. Not really. Uh, All right. You know what it's time for? The poll of the day. The water cooler. Poll of the day. That's going to be my new ringtone. Just that guy. All right. Let's go to the poll of the day. Which of the following policy priorities would you support raising taxes for? Nineteen percent of crazy people. I'm sorry. Nineteen percent say climate change. My bad. Sorry. Ad libbing there. Sixteen percent say debt and deficit reduction. Twenty eight percent say rebuilding America's infrastructure. Fifty two percent. There's the number to look at. I don't support raising taxes at the present time. Snap out. Drop Mike. Eight percent say not sure. Uh, Look at that twenty eight percent number, by the way, rebuilding America's infrastructure. Uh, FYI infrastructure reform coming to a Congress near you, as in the U.S. Congress, that's what they're going to take up, that 28 percent number. Watch that number grow a little bit, I guarantee you, and this is where the Biden administration is going to try to make some hay on tax reform. I say tax reform, tax increase reform for sure. All right, uh, let's move on to another last SIP uh, headline today. Uh, The CDC, our good friend uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci and the folks at the CDC now say three feet Oh, goodness. Christ. These people are a piece of work. <clears throat> three feet of social distance is enough for kids at school. Another reminder that the six foot rule is imperfect. All right. So uh, there you go. I mean, what, what do you want? It was six feet. Now it's three feet. Eventually it'd be like a foot and a half. Then we'll be down to like 0.75 feet. Uh, look, look, here's the point. They always say, follow the science. But here's the problem. The science keeps changing. As I said the other day, you know, Pluto was a planet for like, I don't know, a gazillion years, and then it wasn't a planet. You know, so don't, don't get me started on all of this. And, 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 you know, this is the problem with federal mandates. You know, we, how many times did we hear about six feet, six feet, six feet? Now we're hearing three feet. And the kids, by the way, news flash. Kids really aren't getting COVID. Yes, they get them. I know they they get COVID at times. All right, don't give me, don't, don't send the emails to say my kid had COVID. All right, fine. But overall, kids are not getting COVID. So six feet, three feet, zero feet. And by the way, how's recess gonna work exactly? You know, kids go to the monkey bars, but do me a favor, could you stay three feet away from each other? And the kids, of course, would go, well, well, sure, uh, teacher, I'll obey anything you say, because you're my teacher, and I heard the CDC guidelines told me three feet. Yeah, guess what? Johnny in second grade ain't looking at three feet. FYI. He ain't looking at six feet. Back in a moment.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
1: Back to the water pool everybody we're at the end of the show it's a friday i'm exhausted i'm gonna sleep nice this week man nicely i don't know whatever uh anna perez uh, real america's voice good to see you anna
2: thanks for having me good to see you
1: well uh so you've got a lot going on i mean you you what's going on there's a lot some bills going on i don't even know you you just just tell me yeah well
2: some cancel culture news um right now in the house and the senate they're working on passing a bill that was Mm -hmm. introduced by um senator kramer Mm -hmm. and representative barr and it's called the Fair Access to Banking Act. And essentially what this would do is it would protect um, people, companies, who are trying to get loans from banks. Mm-hmm. And it sets up the idea that banks uh, can't lend based off of you know, politicized things like you know, mm-hmm. cancel, woke cancel culture. Right. Um, they're trying to make sure that it's an objective thing, um, which mm-hmm. as it should be. You know, we have uh, Elizabeth Warren, we have John Kerry calling for all of these alliances with banks so that they won't loan out to oil drilling companies. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have to wonder, like, you know, this is such an indication of where we are at. Mm -hmm. You know, like I was saying to you before we started, you know, Mm -hmm. it used to be like, okay, you know, as conservatives, we were fine with going to a coffee shop, for example, Mm -hmm. and them saying, all right, well, we won't serve you because you're conservative. Um, I don't know how they know that but you know if if that happens we kind of just we're like okay well I understand that this is the business's right to decide whether or not they want to do this Mm -hmm. but I think what that's set the standard for is that now we're in this place where you know we have to pass legislation so that banks won't do that Mm -hmm. and I just think that that's kind of wild and it kind of speaks to where we're at and you know this might mostly affect companies like oil drilling companies Mm -hmm. but As I was talking to you before, this Mm -hmm. also affects individuals. You know, I know people who are banned from PayPal, from you know, major banks because of their views. You know, as I'm sure you do too. Yeah, for sure. People who are you know more outspoken and conservative. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it. You know, continuing the conversation what you were talking to Eric Metaxas about. I think Mm. it's about time that conservatives stand up and you know actually do something about this.
1: No, 100%. and, And here's the sad part of all of this is that we even need legislation. To do this, right? right? I mean, the whole idea of like codifying it into law, because that's what the Democrats want to do. They want to put it all into law. Exactly. So that's, and that's
2: yeah. really what makes it so difficult, is because I think, mm-hmm. here's the difference. As conservatives, yeah. we've been principled for so long. We're such a principled group of people where it's like, mm-hmm. we don't want to do these things. We don't want to, for so mm-hmm. long we were like, you know, we don't want government intervention. That's sort of our whole stick. you know? Right. We don't want them to, the government to be involved in our decisions and now we're as a free country. Now we're sort of forced to do that, you know? Democrats, on the other hand, it's sort of, you know, Mm -hmm. anything goes, whatever works for them, you know, and then when they, when the government gets involved in something that they don't like, then they cry discrimination, right? you know, whereas for conservatives, it's just, it's been very difficult because we're sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place.
1: I 100% agree. And on that note, we've got to go. Mike Pompeo on Monday. See you then.